Welcome back, folks. It's Chase and Josh with Factor Fantasy. That's Chase, I'm Josh, and we are here to give you episode two of season two of The Witcher today. Super excited to bring some new information in. There's a lot of detail in this one. It's a little bit more intensive than last week's episode, but I'm really excited to kind of dive right into it. We get an introduction, like I said, gave a little teaser last week of another species. We're going to kind of really see where this goes forward into the remainder of the season. So uh, buckle up, guys. It's tonight. Today is going to be a fun one. Um, you know, I, I, I think it's important to mention as well, before we get started, a little bit of a recap of last week's episode in case you missed it or in case you're joining us for the first time. And we'll do that in just a little bit. But just to kind of set the whole scene up here for today and what we're going to go through. Um, before we get started, we'll go ahead and give a quick recap of last week's episode and dive into this one. But before we do that, I want to turn it over to Chase, talk a little bit about what he thought about this you know, episode going into it and you know how excited he is to kind of present it today because this is going to be the one where Chase will give the recap summary of the episode and then we'll go into our interesting facts about the monsters seen in this episode and our final takeaways and our debates and, and all that great stuff. So uh, I'll turn it over to Chase, man. Yeah, I thought last week was fantastic. We got to see our boy Tormund. Turned out to be a kind of a piece of shit, but <laughs> it is what it is. It is what it is. <laughs> but uh, no, it was, it was exciting. You know, uh, it was really cool seeing the Bruxa and then Nevelin. Nevelin? I could pronounce that name, please. I call him Tormund. It's Nivelin. Nevelin. Well, we don't have to worry about him anymore because that's <laughs> fucking gone. <laughs> yeah. Didn't last very long, but uh, no, it was sick, man. It, it was great. Um, you know, we got to see Yennefer's back now. Geralt's on this whole pathway uh, to where we're going today, actually, with uh, Cirilla. Um, and you know, it was exciting from literally beginning to end, and we got to find out a lot about the past and, and that sort of thing. So excited for today, man. What about you? Yep, I'm really pumped about it. So let's go ahead and give a little mouse and the chalice cheers, and then we'll go ahead and give a recap. I'll do the recap, and I'll turn it over to you. You'll take us through the episode, and we'll just uh, ride that wave on out of here. Let's do it, brother. Malice in the chalice. Cheers, cheers brother. Ah, yes. Ho uh, Valley Plenty. <laughs> all right. I feel like, I feel like yep. he's going to do this every episode now for the season. Great. No, but uh, anyways... When, uh, you know what's so bad is the only part I know is the one where he goes, When a humble bard meets Geralt of Rivia. And I just skip the middle part and I just go, Valley of Plenty. <laughs> yeah, fuck yeah. Let's sing the Plenty song again. <laughs> okay, fine. Let's dive into it, man. Sounds so, like a plan. Well, hold on. Let me do the recap before we mm-hmm. go ahead and get into that episode. So this quick recap of, of last week. Uh, we had that village that had the weird things happening to where all the villagers were deserted and gone from their homes, didn't know what was going on. Uh, we also learned, you know, the, the Battle of Sodden actually went into the Northern Kingdom's uh, favor because of Yennefer. Uh, she was able to stop it to give the rest of the armies enough time to get there and take out Nilfgaard for that battle. Um, we don't know where Yennefer was at at that time. Turns out she is alive and she's taken captive by Fringilla. They're heading back to Nilfgaard and she's her prisoner. And then we get, uh, you know, Geralt and Cirilla are traveling to Camorin, which is where the witchers kind of rest during the wintertime and restock up on all the things they need to do. And um, 
so well, on, on the way there, they stop by that village. They realize something's wrong with it, so they decide to stay with Garrett's old friend, Nivellin, uh, from years past. They stay there. They realize uh, he is cursed. He had some weird thing going on where, like I said last week, kind of looked like Beast from Beauty and the Beast. But um, they, like, he's cursed because he trashed a temple, is what he told them initially. And so, you know, they stayed with him, though, because he still seemed like a pretty stand-up guy. But there was a secret that he had they didn't share with anybody. He was living with somebody else as well. And uh, that somebody else that he was living with turned out to be a monster called a Bruxa, which is a, a special type of vampire, as Chase told us about last week in his little interesting facts section. And it got into a uh, whole heated battle there where Geralt had to fight off this thing, ended up uh, killing it. You know, did that cool little. I explained the action sequence just a little bit, but then at the very end, as it was about to, like, it was walking through the spear, it was about to still get to Nivellin and, and try to attack him, and Geralt cut its head off, but it had that, did that little mind speak thing to Srill, letting him know it's going to come for her, too, and, uh, yeah, so that, that, that ended up there, and we find out from Nivellin, and now that his curse is broken, he's back to our guy, Tormund without a beard. <laughs> that's what I, that's why he looked like Tormund without a beard, man. Uh, but, uh, he ended up you know, wanting to end it all, and Geralt told him to kind of do it himself, and you know, we're back on the track to to Kay Morin, you know, and that's kind of where season one, season two, episode one, left off, and so I'll go ahead and turn over to Chase to take us through season two, episode two. Yeah, man. By on, uh, by the way, on a side note, I gotta say, like the way he pulled off that boar beast character, it was almost exactly like Tormund, anyways. Like that's all I kept thinking about. It, it was absolutely phenomenal. Um, but yeah, shout out to our boy Tormund. I saw the way she looks at me. <laughs> that was from Game of Thrones. Where's the Where's the Brooksor at? <laughs> Absolutely. Let's dive into it, man. You ready to go? Let's get a mouse in the chalice before we get started. Stop. I think we, already, I think we already did that, but okay. <laughs> I couldn't remember. I was too busy singing the Plenty song. <laughs> Toss a coin to your witcher. Let's dive into it, man. So... Kier Morin. Can you pronounce that name? Yeah, it's actually just, it's K Morin. K Morin is how you pronounce it. Oh, K Morin. Okay. So remember, we were just like Jay Nelly gave on the recap. That's where Cirilla and Geralt are headed to at this moment. So, but the episode opens up, ironically, with Yennefer, not Geralt and Cirilla. And Yennefer sees Geralt, actually. And it says, I can't wait to grow old together. The family we've always dreamed of. So you know something odd is going on right now. Because they're in two different spaces on the map, remember. But Yennefer all of a sudden... We're not going to say all of a sudden on here. But you can go ahead and take a shot and start the day. So <laughs> Yennefer... Uh, there you go. Go ahead and take that drink, Jane Ellie. Yennefer sees herself pregnant and then a baby burning in a fire. Then she sees a witch in a red robe that says she's ours. And then Yennefer wakes up in the carriage where she's actually being transported away from Sintra with friend is it Frangilla is how I pronounce her name? Frangilla. 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 Frangilla and and Yennefer. So they're in the carriage and it stops. And then the carriage doors open and we get this new breed of species. Uh, which is perfect because it'll lead into what we're talking about soon, way down the long road. But elves are here. So it kind of plays into the whole novel. We hear what the novel is called, Blood of the Elves. But um, yeah, so elves open the door. They got the pointed ears. Very high elf looking, just like Lord of the Rings, right? 
and we learn that the lead elf is called Philavandril leads them. Yennefer notices that in the back are these elvish ruins that we see, um, and he even they even mentioned that Ostrich spoke of these, and these are like you know areas that they built to honor prophets, and you can kind of see like how their religion and everything is. But they thought they were set fire to in the early wars, so no one has seen really elves up close in like a long time. But then you realize, well, that's that's a, not true. Sorry. Real quick, let me just tell you about that because remember in season one, uh, one of Cyril's friends, uh, Dor- Dora Dorian or something like that, he was an elf. Remember he? Okay, he got, okay, yeah. so we saw him. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're not yeah. so like much rare, like like you know, in terms of they 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 just kind of. Been eradicated by humans over the time. Like they always used to kind of rule everything, and then the humans took over because they outnumbered them by a lot. And now they're kind of condensed into this one big right. community that we're at right now. And I'll let you continue on, brother. But uh, sorry, what I meant by that, just because I misspoke there to rephrase, is we haven't seen them like in tribes like this really before, though, right? Like they're kind of in the city and stuff. Yeah, yeah, like, and it's weird because it's like it's like a moving city. It's not one that like just stays still. You know what I mean? Like they're, it's almost like they're a, they're a community on the move. Like you know, because they, they can't find a place to call home because they keep getting driven out by the humans. Because many humans have a hatred of elves because of past wars and stuff. So, right, absolutely. Um, but then one of the elves go, which we I think it was an elf. We'll learn later. But um, one of them said. Actually, it was uh, Philavandrel, I think he said this. He said, better lost in history like humans. And you can tell there's already some bitter... There's definitely a bitterness between these two species, between humans and elves. Um, Philavandrel takes Yennefer and Frangilla to see what we learn. This higher elf, and we learn her name is Francesca. And Francesca in Elvish, she says, you should have hung their corpses nearby. And because he was thinking, Philavandril was thinking they could have been used, Yennefer and Frangilla, Frangilla as uh, almost, he, he was thinking there would be like gifts because they could use them for information. Uh, Francesca then says, this one was in Demeterium. And then Yennefer winds up responding in English and said, this one was a captain of Nilfgaard. I'm also an elf. So remember where we talked about that a little bit? Wasn't it briefly mentioned in season one, her bloodline? Yeah, we learned that uh, Yennefer was part elf in season one when we were in Eretuza. Mm-hmm. And um, Yennefer in Elvish, don't worry, I'm not going to say the Elvish. <laughs> I'm not saying that. This isn't Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones is a place in my heart. But Yennefer says, is this how you treat your own in Elvish? And I love this because then you realize really it's not about bloodline at this point like it's more about tradition and francesca in english goes do you sing our songs do you honor our elders have you ever shed a tear over anything elvin you are no elf and then francesca just goes string them up and Villavandral, you kind of have this back and forth with leadership like questioning whether this is the right way with Philavandril. And he is saying, we've been digging here for weeks, and every day increases a risk of being found. But Francesca argues with that and says, you don't lead our people anymore, Philavandrel. And that's a big moment for 
something that's going to come up later. She says, or has the white robes ones visited your dreams too? And that's a big moment for foreshadowing. So keep that in mind. But Phil Evangel is saying, I'm doing everything I can just to keep you safe. But they keep going back and forth um, saying that, you know, once we find what we're looking for, our ship heads back to Artuza as a reminder of Elven glory. So we're cutting back over to where we talked about Geralt well, in. So they didn't say their shit. They didn't say their ship heads back. They said they're gonna ship their heads Z- back. Ship their heads back. back to yeah, Artuza. ship their heads yeah. back. Yeah. That's, once we if you guys find, don't remember. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I just want to say, like, if you guys don't remember, Eratusa is kind of like the the Hogwarts of uh, this this kingdom of wherever the Witcher takes place, whatever land it is. It's kind of like the magic school, and Fringilla and. Yennefer are students there, or were students there. Obviously, they're graduated and they're full-fledged mages now. But so what she was saying is she was going to cut Fringilla and Yennefer's head off and send it back to Eratusa as a reminder of Elven glory. So that's that's all that meant there during that quote. But I also wrote that down, too, because I thought it was super important. Yeah, it probably wouldn't be the best uh, welcome if they just shipped them back to Eratusa. <laughs> that would be very interesting. Um, but so Geralt and Ciri have making their way to Cave Morin. And Ciri is, is kind of like shocked, you know, that this is Geralt's home. And she asks him, how many are there? And I thought this was interesting. Geralt tells Ciri that last I checked there were 20, but there could be less now. But so they open the door and inside are all the other witchers, which is really cool because this is something we've asked ourselves about ever since season one. Like where are the other witchers, where they're at? Um, in this lot we're seeing here, a group of witchers included are Vesemir and Lambert were ones that really stuck out to me. This isn't exactly very important, but Lambert tells this story. I guess it was kind of funny. I thought it was funny. He was like talking about a field hand. He said, he's telling a story as like they're drinking, having fun. It reminded me of like one of, one of Chase's drunk nights is what it kind of (laughs) reminded me of. But he goes... So there I am, freezing my bollocks off in the middle of a grain field for the second straight night, when the farmer's wife comes sneaking out to tell me that I'm wasting my time. It wasn't Amora. It was her husband saw leaving that room. If anyone wonders, Amora is a type of creature. No, it was the fucking field hand. Oh, and now she's wailing, what are you gonna do? My husband won't pay you if you don't deliver Amora head. So I pulled out my sword and said, Bet he'll pay double for the field hands. <laughs> That's kind of ridiculous, but it's funny. And then he said, She returned with two horses and a fur rug. Best job I had all year. It almost reminded me of, we keep talking about Tormund, like that crazy spiel he's had back in Game of Thrones, and I saw him riding that thing. <laughs> like, okay. But um, then we... This new witcher comes in, which you can tell Geralt and him have had a history, and his name is Eskel, and he enters after this battle, this altercation he just got into, and he throws on the ground, it looks like a tree arm, like the arm of a tree, or some monster, and we learn that this is actually called a leshy, and Eskel says that he lost his elixirs, and it was a six-hour fight with the Leshy. He said, I would have got the fucker, too, if I wouldn't have lost my elixirs. Took her hand, though, throws it down, and 
uh, Geralt even mentions he hasn't crossed the Leshy in a while, but um, what happens here, this is a big foreshadowing moment too. He says, Eskel says, well, count yourselves lucky unless you're aching for the sting of one of their fucking roots. And Vesemir says, fire through the heart is the only thing that puts down six hours in didn't occur to you <laughs> like that was kind of like get the fuck out of here you should have known your stuff but Eskel walks up to Cirilla and realizes she's not part of the group and just says who the hell are you and Cirilla I love what she does here because she stands her ground and goes I'm Princess Cirilla of Centra pleasure to meet you and the next kind of scene we have is Geralt is training outside and this was badass He's like walking across these totem poles as he's swinging his sword. And it was almost even showing, you know, it takes not just stamina and strength, but almost how to fight smarter and like what you got to keep your eyes out on as a witcher, which I thought was really cool. But uh, Vesemir walks up to him and says, uh, remember what happened the last time witchers brought drama into the courts and kingdoms. So that almost thinks of a full circle moment from season one. Uh, go for it. Yeah, so the Witchers didn't bring drama. The actual quote is, remember what happened the last time Witchers shoved their noses into the drama of courts and kingdoms. Because Witchers okay. themselves didn't bring the drama. They just got involved in the drama by getting their noses in business where they probably didn't belong. And that's what he was trying to say. Like, hey, maybe this isn't our place to be here, like doing this with Cyrilla. And, and then I'll let you kind of continue from that. No, 100%. And, uh, you know, Geralt recognizes that he already knows this. Um, but I think you kind of get the idea from Geralt. Like, he knows what he's signed up for at this point. But uh, Siri and Eskel find each other in the halls. And you can already tell there's just a vibe there that he doesn't want Siri there. And he even says, this isn't. A castle your highness these they're all shitholes um and this is foreshadowing too because as he's walking past siri after the altercation he grabs his shoulder blade so that's gonna uh play a moment in the long run here and so we cut back over to yennefer and fringilla are discussing elves and they mention that this hymn that they recognize which is being sung sung by philivandrel and it just says, think there was one bent knee, think there was our bent knee, let man blood flood our fields. And then Frangilla says, uh, Tassia, Tassia, what's her name? Tissia? Tassia? From the beginning. Uh, that we talked about last week. Tissia. Tissia. Tassia something. <laughs> Tissia. Anyways, um, it's, a, it's a mention that uh, Frangilla said that Tissaia taught them that elven mages were dead. And Yennefer just says she was wrong or lied, neither is a shock. So now we know there's elven mages too, because earlier when they got brought in as gifts to Francesca, Francesca used her magic to put Frangilla asleep. So that's a big moment there. But Yennefer um, asked Frangilla about nightmares she's having. And she questions if she dreamed if someone was hidden in a robe. Frangilla does wind up confirming that she saw a person in a black robe. Yennefer says, I dreamt of one in red, and our elven mage dreamt of one in white. Yennefer winds up telling Frangilla that they can use these dreams to their advantage. Philip Vandral 
um, is asking kind of the group, um, you know, ask Francesca how much longer must they search in vain when they were promised Dolbathana. And Francesca says, each sunset sets on fewer elves. Our land is stained, our land is dead. Even our caves at the edge of the world have fallen to monsters, but we mustn't lose faith in a bright elven future. What had need will always be. I know these ruins will bear answers. The visions I had since entering the woods good give faith. The white robe hides her face, but I know it's Illithine, our most sacred prophet, guiding us to safe havens. We will rebuild, not mint, but it'll dull your hunger. I will not let us down. So keep that in mind, Illithine. But Jennifer... Ithilene. You're close. Ithilene. I'm the worst at names. (laughs) But that's why I wanted to bring that up, because that's going to pay a role at the end of this episode here. But Philavandril. So Jennifer mentions the hymn to Philavandril and says she's never heard it in English before. And this is kind of a big thing, because we get a little glimpse into Philavandril's past. We realize he's not just some random elf. And Yennefer says, the man I knew, he said it was to guide lost elves. Vilvandril responds and says, those I've lost, yes, dead elves and orphaned elves. The lyrics change often. Frangilla then tells Vilvandril that the white flame wants to punish the people that oppress them. Vilvandril responds and says, thieving a thief only makes you the latest thief. Or tell me, does a white flame intend to hand Exentra back when he's done facing on Calathan's grave. And Yennefer says Exentra was Sintra's elven name before it was stolen. So now you're kind of getting a pass with the conflict that went on there. Yennefer says, Are you the Philavandral of songs, the edge of the world, the leader who ride against a lioness? And Philavandral just says, The lying bard in his tunes. I really kind of want to look this song up at some point. But um, now you're starting to see Philavandral isn't just a normal, isn't just a a low-life elf. But Philavandral says, My people turned to Francesca after I failed to beat Calanth. They needed faith. And Yennefer just says, You know, faith is a simple medicine for desperate souls. And Frangilla says, Faith sustains us all in dark times. But um, from this point, so... Uh, Philavandral is kind of getting a sense of them like maybe they know a little bit more than what they do but um, Yennefer says yes well he was a half elf I heard there hasn't been pure blooded elves in decades and we know so that's a big mention because pure blooded elves that's going to come up later but so they're talking about they've dreamt of these people in robes and Frangilla offers that if they're set free then they can help him figure out where what they are and Yennefer says you've been digging here for a long a long time maybe we're the key and then this is when a voice shouts in the back that just says they found something and Vilvandril just goes close very close and we cut back to Geralt and Ciri so Geralt and Ciri are inspecting this arm on the leshy he like cuts it open you see like maggots are in there trying to figure out what's going on um Geralt does say that the Leshies are dying out because they can't reproduce. And Ciri is asking Geralt to be trained because she wants to kill the man in the black-winged helmet because she hates him. And Geralt gives her a very important quote. He says, this is important. We don't kill out of fear. We kill to save lives. Do you understand? 
And then at this point, Geralt and Siri hear, hear something and Geralt leaves to find out what's going on. Outside, the witchers are having this massive party. Uh, have no idea how they decided this was okay. Like, this is supposed to be some hidden place. What do you think about this party thing, man? I thought it was interesting that Vesemir, the leader, didn't seem too concerned. Like, you know, because he was there the first time everything went to shit. And I, I know part of that might get explained later on. And if it doesn't, we'll talk more about it after this episode about, you know, the first time that Cain Warren was attacked a long time ago. But, like, you would think someone who went through that the first time would be a little more cautious. But he's he seemed, like, totally fine with it. Like, oh, they're, they're going to drink so much, they're going to forget what they're doing. Very very much less how they got here and stuff. But, yeah, they brought in, like, I don't know, 10, 12 prostitutes. <laughs> like, from, like, the out, <laughs> outer skirts. I was just going to call them like, girls to be nice, but that's what it was. Yeah, were, <laughs> no, it's, it's call them what they are. Like, they were prostitutes in the show. That's what they were there for. You know, yeah, so, what are prostitutes doing in basically like what is known today as like a CIA base? <laughs> like, what are they doing there? <laughs> I don't know, man. I, they're giving I they wanted to celebrate shit, the winter in style, months. I guess. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I gotta go out with style, man. So, but at this point, so we find out Eskel brought the girls from the mountain. And Eskel, if you look closer, he actually has his shoulder wrapped up. But he's, you know, he's uh, he's talking to one of the girls. I'll just say that. And Geralt interrupts and goes, Eskel, I understand you're in pain. And you can drown that pain with whomever you want, just not here. And Eskel, this is where you realize they're not exactly on great terms, him and Geralt. And he says, it's funny, you know. Me and the boys, we come back here all banged up. Rock troll bust Lamberts. And a werewolf took a chunk out of Cohen's arse, eh? But what do you come back with, eh? I'm going to say is when I find a princess, the last thing I'm going to do is play knight. So what do you think about that? Do you think it looks like Geralt is trying to make a name for himself by saving this princess? I got a big question on that. Like, because why would they really give so much of a shit about that, Jay Nelly? Well, I mean, it comes down to the law of surprise, I think, and, like, the destiny that's intertwined. You saw him his whole life try to skirt that destiny and, like, not be involved in it and, and then all the shitty things that happened since, like the fall of Sintra and everyone dying around him and then the people that were close to him dying. Remember uh, the the original girl, um, not Yennefer, but the very, very first one that he had, like, that weird fling with at the very beginning in season one, um, Ren- Renfrey or whatever her name Renfrey, was. Renfrey, right. Yeah, so like, you know, it, it just seems like every step, every time he tried to ignore his destiny, bad things would happen. So it's almost like he's like, dang, I'm kind of like, I'm kind of stuck with this now. Now we're going to, I'm going to see it all the way through. So I don't think it really has anything to do with glory or anything. I think it's just like he had no choice. Like he tried to like ignore it and leave it behind as much as he could. And then it got to the point where there was no denying it anymore. Absolutely. I, I, I can definitely see that side of things. Um, but, of course, at this point, Geralt just tells him to go to bed. So that's what happens is he goes with the woman that takes him in the back room. Another woman. That wasn't the first one. <laughs> yeah. But uh, Yennefer, it cuts back over to her and Frangilla are taken to the ruins of the elves, where then they see these paintings on the wall that depict different things from the past. 
Uh, and Yennefer is saying they're depicting fire and chaos and the arrival of monsters. And uh, the ruins said, The heavens roared and the realms colored. Its survivors were lost and forsaken in a new world. And Phil Evandrel goes and emphasizes the difference here because there's still that animosity. He says, new to you, it was ours. And um, when they get brought in, Phil Evandrel and Francesca were waiting on them. Francesca says she wants to know what Yennefer and Frangilla's dreams are. And she says that hers, she's seen a maze of dead bodies and elves stacked high as the shade of the sun. And uh, and then it guides, uh, she sees that it's being guided by a clear labyrinth where she sees the sun rise on a new elven kingdom. But Frangilla says, my guide is not Illithine, it's a mirror. So that's who she was saying was guiding her, was Illithine. But Frangilla says, my guide is not Illithine, it's a mirror. I can't see him, it's, uh, he's hooded. It's, it's, he's just if, returned to Nilfgaard. Sorry, did I say that right? It's Ithilene, not Illithine. Ithilene. It's Ithilene. I'm the worst It's I T H. It's just Ithilene, like not, not L. It doesn't, it doesn't Ithilene. It, no I in there. I think I autocorrected it, myself on purpose. So. <laughs> yeah, Ithilene. Well played. It's Ithilene. Um, it's not Ithilene. It's Emir. She says, "I can see him. He's hooded. He just returned to Nilfgaard. He's killed. Uh, he's killed, and then he saved me." But Yennefer starts dusting off the ruins of this old elvish scripture, and she reads it, and it says, Behold the mother of forests, the deathless mother nesting in dreams. And Francesca notices that the rest of the ruins are an incantation about a hut with no doors. And Frangilla says, My father used to scare us with stories about a witch in the woods. Her home perched on basculus legs. I thought that was really cool. Um, she would lure children to be boiled and eaten. Francesca's uh, brother, Gage, that was there with him, says, wouldn't be the first time man cry, mankind cried witch at the first sight of elven power. But Francesca um, says, my brother's right. These are our ancestors kneeling, worshiping. Perhaps the deathless mother is the one of the old gods. But they're back and forth here. Because they're trying to find out, you know, what's, what exactly this, what's going on here with this hut. But Frangela says, first you say it's Ithlene, then it's one of the old gods. Yennefer says, what designs would either have with two humans? The ruins at this point slide away, and you're hearing this echoing that says, turn back to the forest. And Francesca is thinking that something is calling them and orders Gage and Phil Evandrel to stay back. Uh, and we cut back over to Cyrilla, who's visiting with Vesemir. Uh, Cyrilla is staring at this old ancient knife on display, and I thought this was really interesting. Vesemir approaches a statue of a witcher and says, Clef was here as one of the first witchers, one of the oldest monsters, a demon long extinct. She wreaked havoc until the witchers bound her deep in the forest, that's what she used to kill him. And it was this like ancient knife with this gold handle. And Vesemir says, Some say she still calls to the unfortunate souls unlucky enough to cross her woods, lures them, and to devour them. And Cyrilla says, Scary stories don't really work on me. And that's a big question I have because he's talking about this lady in the woods. Is this the same thing that they were doing on the other side of the world? I think so. I wrote that that's down. I think That's why is. I mentioned it. I thought it was really cool, yeah. Um, 
Vasimir says, some say she still calls the unfortunate souls, unlikely enough to uh, to cross them in the woods, lures them in to devour them. Um, just what I said before, but uh, they keep going back to these statues, which is very interesting. And uh, there was one where there was even another statue in the halls, and he said he taught me everything I know and made me a witcher. And it was another witcher that was there talking about his history and how he was trained. And uh, Vesemir says something like that. It's easier when you're young and you wait for them to finish crying and their mom to feed Ma to feed them, train them, send them out in the world and see who comes back alive. Well, there's you don't there's frighten one, easily. Mm-hmm. There's one thing I want to add to that because I do think it's super important here when okay. like he shows her the other Witcher. So the other mm-hmm. Witcher's name was Deglin. And he was mm-hmm. killed in the halls of Kay Morin. And Deglin, like you mentioned, was the one who taught Vesemir everything that he knew and made him a witcher. But Cirilla says this part of the quote, which I think is super important. She says, Go for it. He was like a father to you, wasn't he? As you are to Geralt. And Vesemir says something like that. So it just kind of goes into the, my point of, like, he saw all these things happen in the halls of Kay Morin. How could he be so okay with, like, these prostitutes just, like, coming to chill out with his boys? Like, I don't know. It was very interesting. Absolutely. But- yeah, yeah, that was the one problem I had with this episode. Like, this is some top secret place. We're just going to allow prostitutes in there. I, I don't really understand. But, no, you're right. Absolutely. Um, and so Vesemir starts asking how Siri escaped Sentra. And he says, did the mantra help you escape Skemtra? And Siri said, no, Geralt said I'd be protected here. Um, well, Siri said, Geralt said I'd be protected here. And Vesemir says, it's hard to do when I don't know who I'm protecting or what I'm protecting her from. So you can see almost, do you think they even trust Geralt at this point? Because he's brought in this princess from outside. Then again, I don't know how you trust Eskel either after what he just did. But that's a good point. You're starting to kind of see He's almost like trying to play private eye investigator here, Vesemir is. Do you think he truly trusts Geralt, even though he trained him? Yeah, I think he fully trusts Geralt. I think he just doesn't trust Cirilla because no one knows anything about her. And Vesemir asks Geralt like what like about her and Geralt tells him like he doesn't know much, you know, because every time she tries to he tries to talk to her, she like closes up and when he doesn't want to talk, then she starts pouring out. She says it's very, very and I think that might come up in just a little bit, but like I think he trusts Geralt fully. I just think he uh, is he's hesitant about Cirilla. And then again, I kinda adds to my issue with it. It's like you have an issue with one singular person being there and you're not sure about their intentions, but like totally cool with the hall full of prostitutes for your for your witchers. I don't know. It's very interesting how his mind works in that scenario so i i I do think i i really do think that he does trust Geralt fully i think Geralt's the closest thing to like a son that that vesemir has and even with this eskel thing i really do think and i think it will show my point later on in this episode too that eskel himself like outside this battle with aleshi and we're going to figure out more about what happens there like I think Eskel and Ves- Eskel and uh, Geralt were actually really close, and they were good friends. Cause you saw when he first entered the hall, Geralt was the first one to greet him, and they hugged each other and embraced each other really tightly. And then obviously something else happens towards the end of this episode that kind of supports my theory that they were pretty close as far as witchers go to each other too. It's just Eskel, there's something off about him, and we're gonna learn a bit, a little bit about that. And like he's, just, he seems like on edge and ready to fire off at any moment of the time, and. You know, that's why they almost got into that quick little altercation in the Great Hall when he told him to go to bed, you know. And so, 
Um, I do, to answer those two questions, I do think that Vesemir trusts Geralt fully, and I just think that Eskel, like, they trust Eskel too, because I think overall, I don't think he's ever been one that continuously causes problems. I think he's just got, something's happening right now to him, and he's acting a little bit off, and they're kind of concerned more than anything. That's just what I think in, as of this moment. Yeah, that was perfect. And that leads us right where we're going into, because I was super concerned <laughs> what's about to just happen. So, uh, you know, Eskel is having the grand old time of his life, right? And so Eskel is, he goes in, uh, for the part that we're at here, is Eskel goes and hooks up with the brothel girl. So he has sex with the brothel girl. They're like against the wall or whatever. And this is where you see out of his shoulder blade, there's like a branch protruding where he had wrapped it up before. And now we realize this is just a, this is going to cause a a big, big problem. (laughs) Like something's going on here. Um, So Francesca, Yennefer, and uh, uh, Fergilla then find the hut with no doors. And it says, behold, the mother of forest, the deathless mother nesting in dreams turn your back to the forest hut hut turn your font turn your front to me hut hut and this is francesca speaking of what she's she's reading and then the uh this is this spell she's giving in elvish not elvish but in english but the hut like sprouts the basilisk legs turned around it almost looks like monster house (laughs) you can actually see like the windows through the hut but and then we cut back over to Geralt and Geralt tells Vesemir a story of when he was a boy boy he said I was in a cell beneath the fifth uh fifth when central was sacked I heard it all fire screams death the same sounds that I heard here as a boy hiding in the cellar waiting for humans to come for us you were the last surviving witcher at Cave Mora fell you and a batch of mutated orphans with nowhere else to go were you ready and Vesemir says no and Geralt says but you protected us anyways and Vesemir said no I told you how to fend yourself but this goes to show I feel like Geralt he just accepted the situation for protecting Cirilla um, but at this point the witcher's necklaces begin to vibrate so now we know there's a problem Lambert rounds up the people while Garrett and Vesemir and the other witchers prepare to fight and Vesemir even says, I want you to stay with me and fight and do what you do best. Yennefer cuts back over to her, Frangilla, and Francesca. Each of them are seeing the people in the robes from their dreams in the hut. Yennefer sees a younger woman, like a kind of a young woman in red. Francesca sees Illithine in white. And then Frangilla sees... Ethelene, you motherfucker! (laughs) Ethelene, Illithine! Yeah, it sounds like Novocaine when I say it. (laughs) Ithlene! So... Yeah, Francesca sees Ithlene in white, and Frangilla sees Amir in armor. And Amir is like this big knight guy, and then Ithlene is like this old ass. Was she an elf? I just yeah. thought she was an old ass lady. Now she was an old elf. You could see because like her ears were bent off to the side, but they were still pointy. Okay, gotcha. So the young woman in red accuses Yennefer of being desperate for power, and then Amir speaks to Frangilla and says. The path to true strength lies not in humble faith, but believing in oneself and seizing one's death, destiny. Why, Ithlene... Did I say that right? Ithlene? Okay, good stuff. I'll keep working on it. Fuck yeah. Ithlene 
explains, speaks to Francesca and says, the world will die in white and be born with a new sun, but first the earth will flow with the blood of elves. Francesca says, how do I save them? And then she says, remove those robes. Uh, Ithleen is saying this. Amir cuts back over to him and he says, what if I told you that you could have power? And not as meek sycophant, but as your own woman. And Frangilla says, this isn't real. And Amir and Ithleen at the same time say, but imagine if it were. Imagine that you're, that you're the emperor right now. And then the young girl in red is talking to Yennefer and says, the other dreams were obvious. You thought you were so special. But no, yours was obvious too. And then Amir says, then make your ask. And Frangilla says, I would rebuild our forces, strengthen our numbers. We are an empire, but at the north. The north is the league of many kingdoms. And Amir and Ithlene at the same time, in a large and unpredictable land, even with numbers, you'd be lost. You need friends, allies that know that the land as if it were their own. And Vrangilla says, no northern kingdom would ally itself with us. And Amir says, no kingdom of men. You want salvation? Then you're bringing back the wrong elf. So you kind of have this struggle of like power and temptation. Almost like if you've heard about the, you know, like Adam and Eve story, right? But Francesca then sees herself pregnant, and Ithleen says, The first pure elf for years, a new hope for a brighter future. Foreshadowing. Francesca then tells Ithleen she can't have children, and Ithleen says, All you need to do is ask. Francesca, you're not Ithleen, are you? Ithleen says, Your ancestors' faith was better than yours. To see your child love, you must love first amongst men. Exentra. And then the young girl in red is talking to Yennefer and says, You're no longer bound. Why haven't you portaled yourself free? You've felt it since Sodden, or rather haven't felt it. But you'd rather be blind than see the truth. Remember the lesson, piglet. <laughs> Coming back full circle moment there. And a flower and a stone is in front of Yennefer. And this is important because in, in Elder is what they call it, which is the Elvish language in this franchise. She says, Zleep, Zleep. Zleep, and she's trying to do this spell, and it's just not working. And the cool part about it, too, is that it was the same exact spell that they started with in Eratusa back in Season 1, That's the right. very first thing they did. They tried to take the power from the flower and use it to lift a stone, and it would make the flower wilt as a stone came into the air. And she was trying to do the very first spell she ever learned, the simplest spell, and she can't do it. And that's why it's so amazing, because it's a full circle all the way back to you know Eratusa in Season 1. That was, it was really cool. That was perfect. I love it. Uh, you made a good point there. Power with the flower. <laughs> Malice and the chalice, baby. Power with the flower. Fuck yeah. Jay Nelly with all his uh, phrases making us a franchise here. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Anyways, uh, so she really gets the end of her at this point. It says, you blew it at Sodden. Fire is dangerous magic. Farewell, chaos. What will she love for now? And that's a big point to make because it's how we were talking about, you know, how Frangilla was talking earlier. Like, you broke their utmost rule. Like, you tapped into fire magic. You're, that's a no-go. Like, you are not supposed to do that. Question on that, by the way. Like, why are they so afraid of it? They think it really will just basically make everything crumble. Like, people can't control it and won't know their own power. What do you think? 
Yeah, I think it's it's something like along those lines. More like it's that kind of power is gonna would consume the individual, make her hungry for more power, or him hungry for more power, whoever happens to be using it, and they can't control the chaos that is fire because fire, while it can be a useful tool, it also is a very dangerous, you know, uh, element of of Earth. Like it destroys things as well, and I think that's the, that's the the fear of the Brotherhood is that you know someone who types taps into that type of magic they not necessarily not really should be trusted because they don't know what their intentions are now that they've kind of tasted pure power for like the first time so i think it's something along those lines it could be wrong though no absolutely no i was kind of thinking the same thing i just wasn't sure but so um of course yennefer can't do it and she's just like damn it fucking parlor tricks um but the young girl keeps continuing to kind of get under her skin here and goes yes denial is a nasty garnish uh, and then the young girl begins to transform into a mirror in Ithlin. Ithlin. Ith- did I say it right? Ithlin? Ithlin, right? Ithlin! And then back to the old lady witch. So now we know she's taken the form of these three things where they're each talking to three different people with Francesca, Frangilla, and Yennefer. I called her the lady in the wood. <laughs> That's what I called her. I was like lady in the lake or something. But she said, I'm going to let you beg some more. I want your desperation crisp. You will beg me to take it from you, and I will. And that's a, a big moment. Uh, foreshadowing. Yennefer's hands begin to bleed, and then the old lady disappears. So well, now you know what that was, too, right? Like, it wasn't just her hands. It was her wrists where she cut herself wrists. at a young age. Remember, she tried to mm-hmm. hurt herself, like, a long time ago, and her wrists started bleeding from the scars from where she said, like, I thought that was pretty cool, too. Big point, yeah. Major full circle there. Um, then we're cutting back to Geralt, and he sees, uh, from back when he was doing, like, kind of the alchemy, inspecting the Leshy's arm. Remember he was seeing, like, black liquid? Well, as they're tracking this thing, Geralt sees liquid oozing on the ground and black wi- liquid covering branches. And then the branches begin to attack him, and he's just slicing them one by one with his sword. Eventually, the branches, there's so many of them, they just grab him and then tie him up to a post. He grabs a torch off the wall and then burns the branches, setting him free. Because remember what Vesemir told him, told Eskel earlier in this episode. He looks and then realizes that the monster is Eskel. So... The Leshy has transformed Eskel and taken over almost like a virus, right? Eskel uh, is holding Geralt down and grabs him and then shoves a branch into into Geralt, like starting to stab him. And then this is when Vesemir saves the day and then throws an axe right into Eskel's back. In the center of the room, Geralt and Vesemir, this was so badass, almost like that Wolverine moment, like back to back. So they were fighting back to back, taking on these tree branches as they're attacking them in the center of the room, which is the exact place where all the witchers have fought for centuries, which was so cool. Vesemir pulls Eskel back from Geralt with a chain, and Geralt hooks the other part of the chain to the other side of the room, suspending him and holding him down. Vesemir tries to tell Eskel that they can save him as Eskel's choking him out, but Geralt realizes... There's Geralt realizes there's no time really left, and uh, Geralt lights his sword on fire with magic. It was kind of like one of those Game of Thrones 
the night is dark and full of terrors. <laughs> like turns the light on the sword and then stabs it right into the heart of Eskel and kills him. Uh, Vesemir then takes the necklace off of Eskel's body. Yennefer wakes up in the grass, sees Frangilla, and Frangilla acknowledges that she saw it. Everything that Yennefer saw, she also is seeing, in that she has decided to follow Francesca. Yennefer said, that evil witch is not God. Frangilla says, if she really is that evil, then why did she let you go? Which shows maybe they're starting to see a little bit of the elvish ways. Geralt then tells Cirilla to follow him, and Geralt says, Vesemir said to me that the world outside these walls is a dangerous place, but times are changing even here. Nowhere's safe now. You can't run from the world, and you can't hide from it, but you can find power and purpose, a chance to survive the horror. The continent was meant for no one. All you have to do, Siri, is keep your sword close and keep moving. And as they're moving... He's, you can see from what he's saying here, he has decided to train Siri, which is badass. I think it's going to be awesome. And then at this point, ending the episode at the same time, Yennefer was just running and screaming, screaming and crying, uh, because I'm assuming, you know, there's going to be, we won't go into it because we don't want to go into next week. But uh, based on what just happened to her, there's going to be utter consequences. Um, yeah, man. What are your takeaways from the episode? What do you think? There's a couple things I wanted to to also like detail and, and re go yeah. over. I think only like five or six ones that like I I really starred that I thought was important. But like mm-hmm. even like in the very opening credit scene, like nice to not say credit, or the opening sequence scene when they had that first dream. I thought it was really important to note, say, that Geralt and Yennefer, they're living a regular life married together. Like, Geralt wasn't a witcher, and Yennefer wasn't a mage, and Yennefer was pregnant with the right. child. So it's, like, it was kind of cool. Like, that was that, that was the dream of, like, Yennefer's ideal life. That, that, that's, like, what, and that's why that rope came there, where they showed her what her true dreams, desires were, heart's desires were, right? Um, yeah, I also wanted to say, on, on top of that, there was another big part here. We started going down, I think it was in K. Morin. That's the next one I really detailed. No, actually, it was, it was with Yennefer and Frangilla. Um, Yennefer asked Frangilla if she saw Emir when she was dreaming, and if, if so, like, why was she so afraid when she woke? And that's a good point. Like, if you see the person that you consider a savior, you shouldn't feel afraid when you wake up. Like, that should be a sign that something's not really right. And so, uh, Frangilla tells Yennefer about the dream and how she was in the, she was in the dark. And there were people over her touching her, gentle taps, and she couldn't see them or stop them. And so she just laid there and let them. And then we learned after that, like, the, the usurper executed Fergus, and he had all of the mages move to a prison, a sort of playhouse. And Fringilla was there for years, and then Emir found her. So that's, a, like, a really big important backstory there about, like, the usurper of Nilfgaard and, and what they did to the mages and how they moved into to that prison and maybe why Fringilla acts the way she acts and takes the side that she takes it's a very important thing to kind of notate um going further from there as well and this is going to kind of go towards more like the the end of everything where it got to like the leshy battle but there's some dialogue between Eskel and and Geralt and Vesemir during this like final battle sequence Eskel was talking to Geralt before Vesemir showed up and said I came back here I knew something was wrong I don't know what happened but I thought I thought I could fight it, and I thought you could help me. 
And that's then to go back to where Vesemir comes in. He said, what is this? And Geralt says, it's Eskel. The Leshies infected him. And Vesemir cuts Geralt free and says, that's not possible. Like, so that's another important part there, too. Like, what right. is this Leshy a mutated Leshy? Is it something that's not a Leshy? Like, are, what are we, we going to learn about this to where... Because like, you remember what Geralt said. He said, and you mentioned it yourself, that Leshies can't reproduce. But somehow right. it turned... Uh, Eskel into one. So what's what's really going on with this? Is there a mutation? Is it uh, a part leshy? Is it a, a, a certain type of leshy that has found a way to reproduce? No, I I don't know. So I thought that's pretty important to to add there. But um, and then just the last the couple last scenes to to close out the episode. There was a big long dialogue. I know you cut you put in part of it between Fringilla and Yennefer, but I thought it was pretty important here where Fringilla says, "There you are. It's all right." Yennefer tells her, you saw her too. And Fringilla says, don't worry, you're free. And Yennefer asks, you're going with them? And Fringilla replies, Francesca claims the old gods want an alliance between the elves and Nilfgaard. I agreed. And Yennefer says, well, then you're both fools. You know that evil witch is no god. And Fringilla says, I know that my faith brought me this far, and I'll see how much further it can take me. And Yennefer says, that sounded like ambition. Impossible. And Fringilla says, not as impossible as you finding meaning. What did you ask for? Yennefer says, an end to this nonsense. Fringilla says, oh, glib as ever. But if she really is that evil, why did she let you go? And so that I thought that was pretty important there, because what that details is now that there's going to be an alliance between the elves and Nilfgaard against the north, and that's something that is probably going to come into play pretty heavy here. I thought that was super important to talk about. And then um, when you were talking about Yennefer running through the woods screaming, Part of that reason why is she kept trying to use magic while she was Elvis, running, and yeah. she was unable to. And so I think that uh, that was really important there is that like that she wasn't able to use magic not only just in her dream, but now that she escaped from that dream or was let go from the dream, she still was unable to use her magic. So that's super, super important. And then the only other thing I was just going to add, and this is just because it's a, a nice little sweet thing. They all had like the medallions on the trees of all the fallen witchers and came more, and they were kind of paying their respects to it there and that was pretty cool so yeah those are the only things i wanted to add there but no, i'll let you kind of yeah i'll let you go ahead and kind of give your final takeaways on the episode itself what you liked about it some things you didn't like about it and then we'll kind of go into what the leshy was and maybe talk about the old witch a little bit and you know uh well then we'll move into our debates yeah i mean it was it was entertaining i i like how they brought in the elves into it because now we're having a an now it introduced a lot of questions it's one of those where it definitely you could tell the leshy was there but i felt like the leshy was more of a filler like it was more about the elves in the alliances that are starting to be formed and them getting introduced and i feel like a big point was um i called her the lady in the wood (laughs) whatever she was because now yennefer can't do magic at all but at the same time, it, it I think even though the Leshy was a filler, I thought it was really cool because now you're even seeing uh, Geralt, a little bit of his back history with the Witchers, but the struggle he's had to decide to go on this journey uh, with Cirilla. And now I loved how it was starting to end there where he's starting to train Cirilla. And I feel like seasons from now, like we'll get into this in the debates, but... Like, I feel like Cirilla could become a little badass. Like, under Geralt's wing, like, she could she could become a badass. Like, seasons from now, like, I would love to see where that goes. 
But uh, yeah, I thought it was a great episode. I love how they introduced the elves into it, and you're starting to see those uh, differences in social injustice in this universe here. Um, and, and it makes it more complex. And I, I, I think it's great because it opens up a whole new, um, really a whole new direction that this show can even go. What about you? Yeah, overall, my over, I, I think it was a great way to pick up from last episode. What I think is cool when it comes down to like the Leshy aspect, I know you're talking about more of it's like a filler or a you know a side show there, but what I think is important is we're starting to see that Witchers, they that what their main job is to do is to fight and kill other monsters to save lives, right? But mm-hmm. you would think that they know almost everything about all the monsters out there. But now this Leshy thing was able to mutate and take over someone else's body, which it's not supposed to be able to do. So right. this is this might cause a problem for which is like, what's going on here? These these are things we haven't encountered before. You know, like this is going to be, uh, I think it's going to be important. Maybe not, I don't think maybe, I'm not exactly convinced Leshies are going to play an important role in the series itself. But I am convinced that like, we're going to have some of these more moments where, Witchers are gonna have to like learn on the fly, or like the things that they've always known may change when it comes to these monsters that they have to fight and stuff. Because they thought they knew all about the Leshies, and now we're learning that there's something different, and it's it's mutated, or it's something different than what they think it is, or whatever the case may be. So I I love that little twist to it. On top of that, I really agree with you about the elves and them being brought in, and you can kind of see, you know, especially when we talk about last week's episode at the end when the Nilfgaard soldiers were taken out that were like kind of helping Fringilla transport Yennefer to to Nilfgaard as their prisoner and they got taken out you know when we learned that those were the elves they're super efficient they're very very like skilled and now we have like Francesca who's a, an accomplished elven mage herself and now we've got this crazy alliance between the elves and Nilfgaard so this is then then that came from like you talked about the lady in the woods or the witch in the woods who said you're bringing the wrong elf to Nilfgaard, saying like uh, Yennefer's not the one you want to bring. Bring Francesca because she, you know, you, you guys together, they own, they know the land like it's their own, and they'll be able to help you defeat the Northerners. And so that's that's kind of it's really important, and it's something that is easy to miss if you're not really paying attention to it. Like this is going to be the next thing going forward. Like you know how season one ended with that battle of Sodden, and Brangilla kind of gave us the uh, foreshadow that that was just a battle, like the war is still going on, and now we're going to get to, you know, round two. We're, we're going to face up this boss level, it seems like. You know, Nilfgaard was already very formidable on their own without elven help. Now they really join forces with these elven the people, the, the army or the community or whatever. They, they could be really, really dangerous, and it's going to be really interesting to see. And now what? who's going to be there to save their ass, right? Because Yennefer can't use magic anymore. She's fully tapped out of <laughs> magic, and Fringilla is the one – I'm sorry, uh, Yennefer is the one that saved them – at Sodden last season, because she was able to type, tap into that fire magic and and use it and save them. But like now, now we've got Nilfgaard with the elves. It looks like that's what's going to happen. And now we've got Yennefer, who is one of the most powerful mages. She can't use magic anymore. So like it looks like we're kind of screwed here. They're really setting us up for man. How are we going to overcome this? And then talking to your point too about Geralt and Cirilla and how you know he can train her up and and maybe she becomes. You know, someone who's dangerous in her own right, which she already was, because remember in season one she was using that weird screeching power, and right. there was something extra to her that wasn't just human. And you know, maybe that develops over time, and we're going to kind of get more into that later on as this season goes. But you know, it, it really does set like the foreshadow where v- Vesemir remember tells Geralt like, "No, I didn't, 
I didn't protect you guys. I taught you how to fend for yourself. And even though, you know, kind of like a backtrack to last week's episode where he told Nivellin, you know, like, he's like, that's not going to happen to her. He's going to protect her. Well, now he's kind of kind of make the executive decision. Do I just stick with protecting her? Or do I try to teach her to fend for herself like Vesemir taught me to fend for myself? And, and you know, and then we start on, like, the training path there. And that, that was cool. So it was really interesting. Like, if I was going to say anything, I will say this episode maybe lacked some more of the action. I, mean, I know we had the fight with the Leshy at the end. It wasn't my most exciting fight that I've seen in The Witcher. But, like, I did like the level of detail and the thought process and where it moves, like, chess. Like, almost like you're playing chess. It moves pieces forward to, to the end goal. And it really does, It really was a, a, an important episode all around. And so I, I really did enjoy it. I think it was a, a great, you know, follow-up from episode one. I enjoyed it more than episode one. I like the action episode one better, but I enjoyed the whole storyline and the totality of this episode a bit more. And I think that's like that the idea of episodes like you enjoy the next one more than the last, and the next one more than the last, and like right. you know kind of yeah. keep building up to that big climatic moment as as it goes on. So, yeah, those are my takeaways from it. Uh, do you want to go ahead and give us a little rundown about the Leshy? Yeah, man, I'll give us a rundown about the Leshy, the tree monster. <laughs> the tree people i gotta say like when i actually looked it up i thought this was really cool um by the way on my uh, visuals here i have this book i bought last year when we were doing the show and it's called the monster book of monsters you can get it at any bookstore and it goes through all the monsters in the witcher uh franchise universe so all the ones they could talk about all the ones in the show uh and you can look this up there because this is where i found this or you could just go online <laughs> if you wanted to. That's what a lot of people do. But the Leshy. So it. I, I thought this was very interesting. Um, there's actually multiple different types of Leshy. But it says it is a forest monster that is described as something that lives only to kill. When they kill something or someone, they do not leave much for any anyone anything around it so which is very interesting so it makes you wonder if they like turn it into a tree or they take all the like all their remains or whatever they do but it says um when humans have spied on leshies in a forest it has been told that they will lose their way and most of them have never come back alive folk tales have told of witchers that have been able to try to find their path again after killing a leshy but some of them most of them do not come back after coming in contact with a leshy so uh, it was interesting here too they say there's four different types of leshies there's one they call the leshen risen the leshen mutagen which i think that's the one that uh eskel fought because it actually was mutating and then there's one called Monster Bone and then uh, Leshen Fiber. But the ones with the Monster Bone, it was really interesting because it describes them. You can look this up. Um, they basically have like a, a moose skull with antlers on it. Whereas like this Leshy, the Mutagen, was like a straight tree. The other ones were like mutated monsters that look almost like trees but if you see like the movie the mummy they're like made out of that so it's like almost like an actual animal but they're warriors 
and they have this skull with antlers that come out of it, which would be insane. Like, we think of, like, orcs and shit. Like, imagine if you had an army of that. That's fucking terrifying. So, yeah, just a little bit about the Leshy there, but I just thought it was interesting. They actually have their own language uh, called Ancient Leshen. Um, so, I mean, it's just interesting that they even have their own society but the major tactic they have is it says controlling surrounding animals and plants and then temporarily disappearing so uh on top of of course the vines and trees and stuff so just interesting stuff you just never know interesting facts with chase and josh what about you man any any uh thing you thought of that you wanted to talk about just i want to go we mentioned it a little bit and i'm not going to say about anything that hasn't been mentioned yet in this episode about the the witch in the forest, the lady in the forest here. So I want to talk a little bit about this here, and this is going to really stem from Vesemir's conversation with Cirilla, where Vesemir tells Cirilla about Clef being one of the first witchers and how, and how he was before Vesemir's time. So this is even before Vesemir was born. This is just stuff that Vesemir has learned from whoever may have, you know, t- took the story down from you know whatever generations. He said that one of the oldest monsters. A demon long extinct wreaked havoc until the witchers bound her deep in the forest. And that the that demon used the artifact that Cyril was holding to... No, well, not holding, but Cyril was looking at to kill Clef, one of the first witchers. So when they said bound her deep in the forest, and then if you think about what we saw on screen, at, at when we were with Frangilla, Yennefer, and Francesca, you saw above that tunnel that slid open... There was someone that was bound there on the body. And then on top of that, um, Vesemir says, some, st- some say she still calls to the unfortunate souls unlucky enough to cross her woods and lures them in to devour them. And that's exactly kind of what happened to Francesca, Frangilla, and Yennefer, that she was calling, like, you know, come back to your woods or go back to your woods. And, you know, it lured them down into there to the hut with no doors and, that was just, it was all, uh, I think it's all connected. So to, to that, I just want to say that to kind of boost my uh, evidence to the point that I made that I think those are the same people. The one that killed Clef, the original, one of the original witchers, is most probably the witch that, at the same time when this is happening, in a way different part of the map, down wherever far, that Yennefer and Frangilla and Francesca are encountering and that's causing wreaking havoc. Well, now what did that witch do? It convinced the elves to join Nilfgaard to really set the land on fire. Basically, they're gonna, you know, this war is gonna be kicked up a notch because of what this this thing is able to do. And that's why I think it may be the same the same uh, individual that Vesemir was telling Cyril about that killed one of the first witchers as the one that Yennefer, Frangilla, and Francesca encountered. And so that's all I'll say about it. That I didn't say anything that you know, is not something you could learn for yourself on this episode. It's nothing outside of that. So I'm not giving anything away or talking about any spoilers, but you know, just, just from what you see there, I'm able to kind of draw a conclusion that leads me to believe that this is the same individual that is being talked about at two different parts of the map, uh, at simultaneously, you know, Vesemir talking to Cirilla and then, you know, Francesca, Yennefer and Frangilla having that encounter in those woods. So that's my thought process on that. Those are just some things I wanted to keep in mind there. And yeah, I guess we'll kind of move on into the debates. It's a plan, man. Sounds good. You want to start us off on the debates? 
No, I want you to start us off on the base since I just kind of went into that. Like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> sounds good. Uh, first debate, it's pretty obvious what mine is, is uh, could you see Cirilla being coming years from now? Like, say this is towards, like, the last season, which my prediction, it'll probably last eight seasons because there's, like, eight books. So I'm thinking that's how long, but who knows. But could you see, say, season eight, season nine, whatever the last season is, could you see Cirilla becoming like a badass like Arya Stark? I think it would be way way better than Arya Stark. Arya is <laughs> someone that's like skilled with a blade and can take a lot of pain. Like Cirilla <laughs> actually has real abilities, and I and that's one thing I hate about sometimes what we do here, and it does frustrate me. It's like it's, 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 we can't always compare certain like like works to others because it's just not the same. Like what they, what they go through is not the same, and. You know, I like if I were to answer that question, do I think that Cirilla becomes one of the most powerful characters in her work That's in her like in here? Like, yeah, yeah, then then yes, I do, because we already saw that she's got some level of power that people don't understand, and and she doesn't have a control over it yet with that screeching thing. And you know, if if she can get to learn to get that under control, and also she takes training from Geralt, who we always already kind of recognize as one of the top warriors in wherever lands these are called, you know. Um, I definitely could see her being one of the top, the top uh, big dogs and big players. You know, and you already see who her grandmother was, and her grandmother didn't have the ability, but her grandmother was still a great warrior in her own right. Calanthe was, you know, was a was a badass on her own. They called her the Lioness of Sintra, and she, you know, she was able to defend their people from a lot until you know Nilfgaard kind of cheated a little bit. You know, and went, <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I think that the 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 table is set for her to become one of the most powerful characters in this universe for sure uh i don't know how long it'll happen maybe it would take about eight seasons or so but i don't think there's much much doubt unless this book you know i haven't and i haven't read the books so i'll be 100 percent honest i have not read the witcher novel series so i don't know but unless they kind of trick us and all of a sudden, main characters die off, like in other works that we have covered. <laughs> then, uh, then yeah, I can, I could definitely see it. What about you? Yeah, I could definitely see it. Um, I think, uh, in a way, I think she has the potential to be more powerful than Geralt now that Geralt is training her, and she has more magical ability than Geralt. One follow-up question I would have with that one debate is. I question if Geralt is going to have trouble controlling her because one thing we've seen already is her kind of venturing off more like a curious, like a curious young person, I would say. I don't think it was truly intentional to go against the grain, but you're already seeing Geralt is almost having trouble controlling her. So I think my answer to my first question is yes i think she will become one of the most powerful characters in this universe if she listens properly i think Geralt. the problem is i wonder whether or not he's able to control her um based on the power that she has which leads into my second question if you were Geralt, would you have brought cirilla to K. Morin, and do you think Geralt is going to continue to train her properly? Where I know she, Geralt sees her, I mean, she sees Geralt as like a father figure, but with her 
power that she has. We've seen that screeching power. Do you think it'll come to a point where Geralt basically can't do anymore for her and she'll have to go off with something else? Do you think he'll be able to control her? Or it's going to be almost like one of those Anakin Skywalker Obi-Wan scenarios where she thinks she's more powerful than her predecessor. What do you think? Those are good questions. Uh, man, like, it's hard to tell. I think that's also going to be the main kicker, too, is I'm assuming that initially it's going to be very difficult because it's already difficult for them to communicate with each other on their own. She's kind of stubborn, and they're kind of on opposite ends. Like, when he wants to kind of not be uh, vocal and talking, that's kind of when she wants to talk, and when he wants her to open up, she's kind of shut down. And so we're already seeing, like, a weird power struggle between them in that way. Now you add into the fact, you know, he's training her to become you know be able to defend herself and maybe like an ultimate weapon version of herself so that way mm-hmm. he, she's not always relying on other people to get her out of trouble you know with more power the words of spider-man comes more responsibility <laughs> right yeah but um right. it's just one of those things like I, I i foresee kind of uh her having issues with it at first like in terms of following directions following orders and doing everything that Geralt says and it, it might lead to a rift between them to where they separate for a little bit and maybe they come back together later on and maybe there may be a season or so of them you know kind of going apart from each other maybe they find a way maybe something bad happens to where it brings them back together and now they are both the ultimate version of each other right like yeah, i think that is more more likely to happen i think that the the power and the ability is going to kind of scare her a little bit and she doesn't necessarily listen all to what Geralt says anyways and so I could, I could definitely <laughs> foresee that being I could foresee that being an issue that she won't be able to control herself and she's not going to be able to like that it's going to take a lot of training I'm not sure Geralt himself is going to be able to, to help her with that and I think maybe honestly that could be a big part of where maybe you know Yennefer being an extra you know one of the three main characters maybe she goes off with Yennefer, who had to learn how to control herself, and maybe she learns a level of, level of control from Yennefer, and, and maybe something really bad happens. Maybe Yennefer dies, or maybe someone important to Cirilla dies like throughout the process, and it brings Geralt back into the fold with her Geralt, and stuff. Hope. So, <laughs> Hopefully yeah. Geralt didn't die. That would suck. <laughs> right? <laughs> that would suck. So I, I think that's my answer. I think, I think you know they start training. She gets some level of competency with defending herself, then some sort of like, blow, like you know, argument or heated blow up happens, and she runs off on her own, thinking she's fine now. And you know, then bad things like you know, maybe Yennefer takes her under her wing and helps, like tries to teach her how to control it, and something bad happens, and it brings them all back together again. I don't know. That's kind of where my thought process lies. Uh, what about you? Yeah, no, I, uh, I just couldn't see her going the way of Anakin Skywalker, based on everything Geralt has done for her keep in mind this is a girl that basically has no family as it is and I think Geralt it's different than like Anakin where like they just found Anakin and he had a lot of things go bad like I think the only thing that would turn probably Siri into that dark place would be if Geralt died and you can't at least not right now and i haven't read the book series or anything don't leave any comments like that (laughs) but i'm just saying i think that's the only thing that could do something like that and that's like let's just be real like even if Geralt had a bad ending or something that's probably the series is called the witcher 
Like he's not. I don't think Geralt's going anywhere for a long time, at least. So I think I think you're right. I think it's gonna take something like she's gonna have to come in contact with Yennefer, or um, who knows? Maybe she comes in contact with the elves. Whatever happens. Uh, but eventually it'll get to that point. But for right now, I think it's just going to be more focused on their journey and wherever that goes. So, uh, but yeah, what about you, man? So my debate, I'm so happy you said that, that the series is called The Witcher because my debate is, and we have a level of possibility from a statement that Nivellin made last episode, last week that we covered about, what happens to people that go to Cain Morin and how they become witchers. My my debate and question to you is, do you think that Cirilla either accidentally or purposefully becomes a witcher? She could. Like, it's, uh... You know what's interesting is there's a few episodes coming up that we'll talk about where we won't bring anything up for future episodes, but questions come into play like that for what could be much later on. Um, I don't know. Uh, And I mean, I think it's interesting to think. I just don't know. Cause I don't know how the poison, cause keep in mind, they have to inject people with poison in order to become a witcher. So I don't know how that would work with her bloodline and how she already is supernatural uh i mean if it did like almost like venom right funny how we find things to relate to like it has to i feel like it has to like it would have to bond with like the perfect person but if it did she'd be one hell of a powerful witcher (laughs) that's for damn sure um i just my problem is like i could I don't see Geralt allowing that happening. Uh, so I'm going to say no for now. I think it would have to take some dramatic event for her to turn herself that way. I think if anyone's going to do it, I don't think she's going to get turned to it by accident. She's too powerful. She can, I think she's going to learn to defend herself. But I think it would have to be someone significant is like in serious trouble. Ah, see the pun there <laughs> and uh, uh for her to do that to herself but i it could i see it highly unlikely though what about you i just flat out don't think it's gonna happen and there's a lot of reasons why because kind of what i've seen so far with cyrilla's story arc it's kind of like she lost her home in Sintra. she's the last living um you know Centrinian, <laughs> I don't know what you call them, right? <laughs> so right. she's the princess there. She's the one that can kind of restore that city to its former glory. And one of the biggest things, uh, the, what's important about witchers is that they cannot have children. And so if she's not able to have children, how would she continue her bloodline to, you know, stay in control of Centra? You know, witchers don't live forever. You know what I mean? You know, so at some point, uh, she's going to need to have an heir and if she can't have children she can't produce an heir so i think that has a lot to do with that as well as the fact that you mentioned she already is supernatural in other ways it might not be necessary for her to become a witcher um so i just i don't see that trending in that direction you know i think it's more likely that she ends up kind of being the best of both worlds of what she is whatever she may be you know, I don't know what the the uh, you know you know some things are called 
Witchers, Strigas, Bruxas, Leshies. I don't know what the word for uh, Cirilla would be, like what she is in her supernatural state or what she's able to accomplish. But like, I don't. I, I can kind of see it being a perfect blend of um, her being herself and also with the lessons taught from one of the best Witchers. It seems as if anyway. We don't know all the Witchers and we don't know too much about it, but it seems like Geralt's probably the most respected Witcher underneath Vesemir, and it seems like he. You know, could you know we could potentially make the argument that he's one of the greatest witchers of all time from what we know. We don't really know, but you know, so like maybe she can kind of become that apex of the best of both worlds. I think that is more likely than herself actually becoming a witcher. So that's my thoughts. I agree with you. I think this is one of the few days where we've already gone three for three, pretty much. That's very uh, <laughs> huh. That doesn't happen often. Okay, what's your next one? <laughs> <laughs> no, that that is my only debate, oh, is it? man. Oh yeah. No, um, I'll use the malice in the chalice card real quick because yeah. I got some questions about this shit. <laughs> malice in the chalice, baby. Those are the rules. You may play the malice in the chalice card anytime during the podcast. It may only be used once per podcast host per episode. When the malice in the chalice card is played, the other host must immediately finish their thought and give the floor to whatever topic the holder card desires. By the way, both hosts must drink, so let's go ahead and take a little swig here. Got some, uh, I thought of some interesting debates while you were talking about that. So go ahead and get yourself a little liquored up. Uh, Let's see here. So, first thing I want to talk about, what if this goes the opposite way? What if, we're not even talking about, what if Siri just went off on her own? by herself like could you see that going well at all like i i don't think of i could see siri could get to the point of as far as development where she just goes off on her own and leaves everybody also to the point of we're not talking about the fact of Geralt in the witcher societies what i want to see more of is more of like wherever he's where the fuck he was from where is he from? K Moore or something? K Moore? Geralt himself? No, or like, like what that which... place was called. Oh, K Morin. K Morin. K Morin, yeah. Like, I want to see like an army of witchers or some shit like that. Like, even though that's not their job, we know they were hired for stuff like that. I wonder if it's ever going to get to the point, seasons from now. Where you have these, like, clans almost. How you have, like, the elves and the humans and the mages and stuff. What would it take, do you think, in your opinion, for one of these societies, with them all being at war, where they're going to all start hiring witchers again to win uh, win the battles that they're about to wage? Because witchers are basically mercenaries in a way i mean they do this for a bounty but i can never see them actually waging war against something because they don't care like that's not their job like they have a job for monsters it's not anything in politics do you think it's ever going to get to a point where they're going to go full circle moment and start trying to hire these witchers again but it plays into what we talked about today just like when vesemir was talking about sticking their noses in courts do you think it's ever going to get to that point? Uh, I don't think so. You know, and I could be wrong. But the reason I think, and I think part of it is what you mentioned, witchers are hired to kill monsters. That is what they're hired to do. And that's it. They're not hired to become part of your uh, someone's army. Like, like the mages are hired to be 
the advisor of kings of different kingdoms. That's not what witchers are for. You know, witchers are literally there hired to kill monsters. And on top of that, we know that there could be no more witchers created. There's no way, more way for witches to be created, right? And that's another reason why, obviously, I don't believe Cyril will become a witcher. And then on top yeah. of that, um, there's only there's less than 20 of them left now. Between the one witcher that got killed by the Striga in Season 1 and by the by Eskel getting killed by the Leshy here in this one, this season, like, there's only... At, at best, there's 18 witchers left. You know what I mean? What it's, we know, uh, though. Like, you never sure. know if they go discover something else. Maybe they were hiding out or something. Well, that's the thing. Well, Geralt said himself, he, she asked, like, how many? He's like, to my last knowledge, there was 20 of us, maybe less. And then, of course, you think about the one that got killed by the Striga and Eskel. That means 18. And they already did say in previous seasons that they, there's no one's able to create any more witchers. Like, witchers cannot no longer be created. I don't know if, like, the the stuff to do it is, like, gone or missing or whatever, but I do remember them stating that they can no longer create witch any new witchers. So, if that's the case, there's only 18 witchers, and I know, like, they're strong and powerful, but, like, I, I, number one, I don't think that they would do it anyways because it's against their creed to get involved in that kind of shit, but on top of that, I don't think they would anyways, and I don't think if they did, they would really turn the tides of anything unless all 18 went to one place. Like, they all went with Nilfgaard or whatever, you know, then possibly, you know, you can say what, like one witcher could be the equivalent of maybe 50 men, maybe, you know? Well, so. I think they got the, I think they got the toxins to do it because otherwise then, I, and this goes into later episodes, nothing happens, but like how, based on what we were talking about, how would Cirilla even become a witcher if you can't do it anyways? Then that would That's why I was saying, that's why I, I, I think that, I, that they won't, they wouldn't be able to. That's why I said I don't think she would become a witcher is because like they, they said they can't. That they um they said they that's all I know. Like, I did, they didn't even expand on it. It's I think it was in season one when they were talking about it. And I'll try to go back and find it and I mean I'll post a link on, on, on our site here underneath of the the post for this episode, um, of where they mention new witchers can't be created. So that way number one you guys can see that and if that is in fact true, you know, that's and if it's not true, mm-hmm. then there was a plot hole. Like, like either like, yeah, that's another thing too. Like, hole, yeah. so that's that's another Maybe. important important part too there as well. That so or, here's a sorry not to interrupt you on that. It just brings up a side statement. Then, then what's the deal with the elixirs? Are elixirs just more almost like uh, if you're going to the gym and drinking C four or something like to boost yeah. stamina and magic? Is that basically yeah. what it is? I think so. I think that's the, that's the case. And like. Then for certain ones, give him like quick magical abilities, like that one thing you were talking about last week, where he shot it out of his hands, like the, the quill or whatever it was. I don't know, but the quill, uh, yeah, that's yeah. like what it said. Uh, so they didn't mention that, but that's what I'm assuming that was, because that's yeah. they said the only thing that stops that was that spell that witchers can do. So yeah, I, th- I think I think it the the er, like the herbs are good for like healing power and stuff, and like the potions and elixirs are probably good. To you know, give them more. They boost stamina, endurance, let them fight longer. Remember, he had to have that one fight with the Striga last thing from like sun, like sunset to sun up or whatever, like seven hours of straight fighting. <laughs> right, like, <yeah. laughs> you know what I mean? So I think that those were what the elixirs do, as opposed to like creating new ones. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like, but the thing is, like, like I, if it's not accurate, then there is a plot hole somewhere in season one because, like I said, I, I do remember them stating that that they. It is impossible to create 
new witchers or they're not creating new witchers i'm not sure if it's impossible or they're just not doing it but i remember it i'll try to find it and i'll try to put the link uh for it there in the exact timestamp of uh, which episode number and who said it and at what point during the episode it was said so that way you guys know i'm not just pulling out on my ass but uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah i believe so. you uh, and just the last part of malice in the chalice was this is relates to the witcher but since it is malice in the chalice i can ask this question so henry cavill i think is an awesome actor you know before with the way dc just fucked up everything <laughs> like he was being seen as like superman for a long time until dc just fucked up everything now everyone is seeing him as Geralt of Rivia. Like, do you think he is, if this show continues the success it's having, he will be seen as, like, Geralt of Rivia now? Like, I don't want to say, like, typecasted, because he's a, he's a great actor. He's done a lot of things. But now I think this show is going to become so successful. When people think Henry Cavill, they think Geralt. It's no longer, oh, Superman or whatever his other roles is. Like, do you think it's that big of a show to carry something like that? Man, I hope so. <laughs> like, I, it's, that's so, it's so hard because like, we've seen that kind of happen in other in other works, right? You know, with um, Chris Evans being in in the Fantastic Four. You know, like we don't really think of him as Johnny Blaze. We think of him as you know Steve Rogers. So, right. Like, it's it's possible. I don't know. But thing the only problem with that is that. If you think if you're gonna name the most popular superheroes of all time, like Superman and Batman are number one and two, right? Yeah. Like that's right. the only thing. It's like, can you really? No matter how successful successful the show is, can it really overtake you know the two you know some of the best known heroes? Whether you watch the films or not, whether whether the films suck or not, like Superman's a household name. Everyone has heard of Superman, you know, and maybe right. not everyone's heard of The Witcher, you know, and that. As we talk about still, and we always say like, uh, you know, talking about other works, we know this being a like a special case with the cards that we played. That you know, Game of Thrones. There's still many people out there who refuse to watch Game of Thrones just because they don't want to watch it, and so they don't really know who's in that. So if maybe if this is something like that, where other people, you know, it's just a Netflix series. I don't know. It, it, it I guess it's possible, man. I just I think it would be difficult only because of how popular Superman the hero himself is in people's minds when they think of you know comic book superheroes like who are the biggest three it's superman batman and spider-man probably right probably yeah i mean yeah thor's not on that level or anything all those got brought in when disney did their thing yeah you're right i think it'd be and specifically only spider-man because of what the films have done starting in the 2000s but yeah i mean even you know especially the older comic book fans you're right they just think of batman and superman but um, and then just finishing out that question, and then uh, I'll let it, you close this out here. But do you think this is a show that has? Because we've seen what you know major fantasy franchises have done, like Harry Potter and uh, Lord of the Rings, even Game of Thrones. I think I think I wonder if Game of Thrones can ever reach that level. It reached a big level. But I wonder with like the spinoffs and House of Dragons and stuff. But do you think this is a universe that ever has? It's definitely not there yet by any means. But do you think it has the potential to develop into something like that that could be looked at on the level as a Lord of the Rings or a Harry Potter or something like that? That's a good question too, because at that point. I mean, maybe the world could be trending towards that direction with, like, 
streaming service series becoming more and more popular, especially with stuff like The Mandalorian and, and Loki and things like that, like, my, my biggest concern is that historically, feature films always have more of a bigger draw than series do. And so, as a series, I think it has the potential to be one of the greatest series that can be created. Uh, like, if you think about, you know, it will definitely, I, in my opinion, be on the level, I think, if they do it right, which it seems it's so early, and I'll knock on someone here, that they're doing it well and correctly and accurately to the to the books as we know, as far as we know for people who haven't read the books. But when it comes to talking about, like, Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter... Those were feature films, and on top of that, they were feature films that were during our childhood that we kind of grew up with and into, where mm-hmm. this one, and maybe it'll affect the next generation in the same way, but I don't know that this coming generation has as much of a, and I don't know, and this could be a total generalization, and I could be completely wrong, but I I just don't know that the this coming generation has as much of a desire or care about fantasy fiction you know because like what is it that we used to do a lot as kids especially people who were into fantasy fiction not only would we watch whatever came out but we would read the novels you know what i mean and i don't i don't know i don't necessarily know that i see a lot of people reading fantasy fiction novels these days especially you know ones that are just getting turned into series and and stuff so i don't know could it be at the level of lord of the rings and other feature films it's tough to say, like Marvel and all that. I don't know, and simply just because it, the level of draw on a streaming service series and a feature film is just completely different. So, yeah. I don't. It's a t- it's a tough and a toss up. I don't think it. I I still think, but because Lord of the Rings being a classic and how well they did it and how they did it in three films versus a bunch of seasons, I still think it'll probably be more popular amongst fantasy fiction fans than The Witcher will be. But I have hope that the Witcher will be one of the best streaming service series that will catch fantasy fiction-wise. Do you think, right before we close out here, do you think, based on where Game of Thrones ever was with its peak, do you think it'll ever reach that level? Like, that's more realistic. Let's compare it with Game of Thrones. Where Game of Thrones with its peak was, do you think, and despite what Season 8 and all that stuff did, but we remember the hype around that, do you think this ever will get to that level? Yeah, that's. I'm trying to think on that one. I, because I, Game of Thrones was super, very, is very, very, very popular, but it's difficult because it was created in that midpoint of techno- technological advances. Like t- 2011, it was so much different than 2019 in the level of production quality, and so you kind of got to grow with the show. And I think it's gonna right. a lot of it's gonna kind of really depend on what level of advances that we see between here. 2020 was when the first season of The Witcher came out, or 2019, I think, was the first uh, year that The Witcher came out, all the way through, let's say it goes 10 years and let's say 2030 or whatever, right? right. Like, is, are there going to be real big steps in levels and differences of production from the, these 10 years like it was for the 10 years for Game of Thrones? If so, then, yeah, maybe. But, like, if it's just storyline, um, it still has a shot. 
but uh, I mean, like, <laughs> it's fucked, man. Jennifer no, thinks she's Danny. I told Jay <laughs> Nelly today it's not fucking happening. You fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah. But no, I think that wraps it up with the questions, man. But I, I think you're right. Like, I mean, it's just kind of one of those wait and see. You're right. It has to do with technology. And uh, I, you know what's interesting to think about, though? is one slip up can derail a franchise one slip up we'll do it so i think it really depends on where these seasons take it and even like where game of thrones was in season two you still didn't have an exact grasp of what was going on i still think season three was that big step up moment for game of thrones so we'll see i think i think you're right any uh closing statements you want to say before you close this out yeah no i think i think that kind of kind of summed it up last thing i'll just say on that is think about it i never heard about game of thrones until i don't know 2014 ish and it was already yeah. out for i was already out for three years and that was the right. first time i ever heard of it so like i mean we're still in the very beginning stages of the witcher and like i do think it it, it might be you know and i think that may be something that's worth looking into numbers wise like the amount of views that they track per thing like where game of thrones was at between their first two seasons and where the Witcher's that between their two seasons, and maybe that can give us an idea of like the direction and if they are on pace to to break viewership numbers, and that would give us a better idea. And I, I think that might be something we could look into. But yeah, man, I uh, I think that that'll kind of do it. Uh, just one more thing before we do our whole closing sequence, I just want to hit Chase with this Tipsy Gypsy card real quick. Fuck, um, dude! <laughs> I just want to stand that card. <laughs> I was going to the gym and everything today. Things were fucking up my night, man. <laughs> really cool, really interesting. I just really wanted great. to go ahead and and pass this on out to him before we, we duck on out of here. Just you know, I think it was it was a, it was a very generous thing to do. He looked a little thirsty over there. He looked like he needed a little bit of assistance. So. You know, don't worry, man. Your old boy, Jay Nelly's got you. Uh, we'll, we'll make sure that you can en <laughs> enjoy that. And what will be kind of fun is I'll be able to go through our sequence there while Chase takes eight years to, to drink it. Because we know, you know, Chase doesn't doesn't necessarily uh, chug the fastest that we've ever seen. But. Not looking forward to this. I'm well, not looking for this. Absolutely not. This is how I really wind funny. up at clubs. Uh, Jay Nelly and I will probably end up downtown or something because I'm drinking this. <laughs> This is all Jay Nelly's fault. I thought I was having a great time. I was going to probably go to the gym or something today. Didn't realize I have to Uber my ass to the gym at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. This is bullshit. <laughs> but anyways, all right, fine. But I'm glad to, to do that. What's well, really funny, too, like, let's go ahead and get you to start start this thing down, brother. Let's go ahead and, and start it up. A little on my little... Make sure I... Cheat All a little right. bit here. Take <laughs> uh, fine, I fucking hate you. Okay, All fine. Ugh, right. oh, man. Uh, people sail ships. People sink ships. No ships like best friendships. <laughs> okay, see the drink away, Cheers, man. man. Cheers. I'll go ahead and give a little sip here in solidarity for you. But what's really funny is Chase will sit here and complain about this tipsy gypsy card. But what he won't tell you is that he bugged me all off season that we had between seasons of Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy to create a Tipsy Gypsy card. Like this is what he wanted. Like more than anything, he's like, nah man, we gotta create a Tipsy Gypsy card. We gotta we gotta do this. We talked about it in season one. We gotta add new things. And like I wasn't really sold on it either way. Like I could have done it, I could have done without it. But Chase really wanted the Tipsy Gypsy card 
really badly. And wow, that's giving him a quick clap because he definitely just finished that a lot faster than I thought he was going to. <laughs> Great job. You really never do. But uh, I'm just so I'm just so surprised that you know he he complains about the same card that he bugged me for the whole off season. <laughs> so like, please I read that was them for our new listeners. Will you please read them the card? Uh, this and is the last. This is the last time I'm going to read this card because we did it a bunch <laughs> in our, in I our episodes. I just love seeing it. Describe the card. It does look cool. I got to give it to Jay Nelly, our our real graphic designer here. He, sure. he does some of the best graphic design work I've ever seen. So basically what this card looks like, um, it, if you guys have ever watched Avatar Last Airbender, it's like an anime type deal. You see like certain like hand motions and movements and bending techniques. And basically... It, there's this woman that's portrayed on the front of it, and uh, she has two bottles of wine, one in one hand above her head, one in another hand uh, around her chest area, pouring out the wine on either side, and it almost looks like a spiral of wine being poured out between the two bottles, and the card itself states, you may play the tipsy gypsy card at any time during the podcast. The podcast host who plays a tipsy gypsy card forces the other host to pour a full drink and then rapidly consume the entire beverage before answering the current topic of debate. And each host may only play the tipsy gypsy card once per podcast episode. Attack, not over 9,000, because you know that's our boy Vegeta over in Dragon <laughs> Ball Z. And there's no defense because you just got to do it. And that's the card in its totality. And the worst part is this isn't hitting me like this was actually a very strategic move on Jane Ellie's part because as you've seen in like some of our previous episodes when I get hit with the tipsy gypsy card I tend to go off on major ass tangents <laughs> and uh, it hasn't quite hit me yet but the worst part is literally right as we finish filming today and I walk outside the studio <laughs> that's when the magic begins tonight because I don't even know where I'm at <laughs> we'll be gone we'll be gone uh, any well, question you had that you wanted to ask? Yes. Uh, how did you feel taking that entire beverage down? <laughs> it wasn't good. <laughs> it wasn't right. good. And I, oh, man. See, I'm already knocking things over. If you just heard on the on the little, uh, little audio there, if you're listening on every platform. But <laughs> I'm going to let Jay Nelly sign us off, man. But yeah. uh, I do want to say, you know, uh, we've been uh, our followers have been great. Uh, I do want to say Spider-Man hit through the roof. You know, we just hit two years on the podcast. Our, but our TikTok right now, our our latest video that we did a few months ago is about to hit 150K. YouTube keeps going up. We keep getting reviews on Apple Podcasts. Uh, so it really just shows that loyal following. And I uh, just wanted to tell you guys thank you. It means a lot. Cool. And then the one thing I'll say on top of that, because Chase is actually the one that advised me I don't know if it was last week or uh, the week before, but when he mentioned that Spider-Man episode, I think he mentioned that it did hit number seven in the fiction ranking in the United States for podcasts. So uh, that's pretty that's pretty exciting. That's top ten, and you know, that, of all the podcasts out there, that's not bad company to be in. But uh, yeah, I'll go ahead and wrap <laughs> up here today, guys. If this is your first time watching, welcome to the show. We hope you enjoyed what you heard today, and we hope you stick around for the long haul. For those who have been here since day one. You guys are the realms that guard guard the the shields that guard the realms of fantasy. In the words of Chase, I, I can't ever take credit for that. He coined the term. It's a it's a phenomenal saying. But I I, I wanted to say I appreciate everyone. You know the new and the old listeners. We're excited to have you here. Uh, you guys, if you haven't done so already, go ahead and leave us a review on Apple Podcast. 
You can go ahead and follow us on any of our social media sites. We are on Instagram at official ridiculous Patronus. We are on TikTok at ridiculous Patronus. We're on Twitter at RP Factor Fantasy. We are on Snapchat RP Factor Fantasy, and we are on Facebook at Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy. We also have our own site, ridiculouspatronus.blogspot.com, and you can follow us. Uh, go ahead and click like, subscribe on any other platform you listen to podcasts at. So if you're an iPhone user, we are on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. If you're an Android user, you can find us on Google Play, uh, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Audible, Acast, Stitcher, our own host site, Podbean. Anywhere you get your podcast, Chase and Josh, Factor Fantasy are there. But we're out for the day because, you know, this has been another ridiculous production. Chase and Josh. Factor Fantasy. Sign it off. Sign off. off.